our work with conflict, so often people want to change the other person. And in our current state of uncertainty, you know, crisis, conflict, and change, we have found that people are undergoing a lot of stress. And so Susan and I decided, hey, we want to put together a series of people that we've studied with, worked with, that really help focus on brain health and nervous system health to help you create a sense of safety, satisfaction, and connection without having to change everybody else or make anybody else different. And we hope you'll find that each of these people who we've had the chance to interview with has something to offer you to think about. What could you do to help yourself to reestablish a sense of centeredness and groundedness and some and embodiment? These are all words you hear us throw around a lot, and you're going to hear them a lot more in these episodes. Enjoy this Brain Nervous System series. So, hi there. I'm Chris Marie Campbell. And I'm Susan Clark. And today we have a very special guest, Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. And I'll just give you a little bio over, and then we'll jump into the conversation. Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor is a Harvard-trained published neuroscientist. In 1996, she experienced a severe hemorrhage, AVM, in the left hemisphere of her brain, causing her to lose the ability to walk, talk, read, write, or recall any of her life. Her memoir... My Stroke of Insight, documenting her experience with stroke and eight-year recovery, spent 63 weeks on the New York Times nonfiction bestseller list. Yay! <laughs> In 2008, Dr. Jill gave her first TED Talk, which is now has well over 27.5 million views. She also was chosen as one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World, and was the premier guest on Oprah Winfrey's Soul Series. You are hanging out with some Good people there, Dr. Jill. Her new <laughs> her new book, Whole Brain Living, The Anatomy of Choice and the Four Characters That Drive Our Life, is a number one release on Amazon. And today we are going to dive into her work. And we're just so excited to have you, Dr. Jill. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. I'm have happy to see the girls. Now, um, you are, this whole brain living is, is the newest piece. And I know we were kind of already diving into the content before we started to record. Can you even, are we, would you be willing to frame up that? And then maybe you can even talk about how you came to that through your, your incident of having a stroke in the whole recovery process. Yeah. Thank you. So, um, whole brain living, um, Oh, where does one begin? So we have these two absolutely beautiful hemispheres inside of our head, and they are different in the way that they process information. The right hemisphere essentially takes in a little bit of information, and then it expands that, expands that, expands that. And the left hemisphere takes a bit of information, and then it drives detail, detail, more details about those details. So we have these two completely different machines, if you will, about how to process information. And of course, we need that because if all we have are details, right, how are we? We're, we're functional, but there's no innovation or creativity. And the right hemisphere is open to new possibility, 
but it has to have the structure of the left hemisphere in order to keep it grounded and to keep it um, in, 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 you know, structure there. So we have these two very different ways of looking at the world. And uh, so the latest book is called Whole Brain Living. And whole brain then is, is what is going on inside of both hemispheres and how can they work together, respect one another and manage conflict or manage flow, how to find more flow and ease in our lives. So I love what you guys are talking about because it's really about how do we look at at a situation through a different filter, through a different lens, where the left brain may come in with judgment and say, oh, this is bad, that's not what I want. And the right hemisphere is going, but this is reality, let's work with it and figure out how do we make it something a real, really positive experience. Um, so, so in looking at these two hemispheres, we have two emotional systems, one in each hemisphere, a group of cells in each hemisphere, and then two groups of thinking cells, one in each hemisphere. And the thing about each of those four groups of cells, the two emotional and the two thinking, is that each of them integrates inside of themselves, resulting in very specific way of processing information and resulting in very specific skill sets and ultimately resulting in very distinctive personalities. So we have these four characters inside of our brain and we can get to know all four of the characters. We can create communication between them and then we can actually figure out, well, who and how do I want to be in my life so that I can live my best life? I think it's, it's I love that. And, uh, you know, some people think, oh, what do you mean I have these four characters in when I talk yeah. to them about this? And I, I say, you know, have you ever felt you know, torn, you feel one way, you're making a decision, but one one part of you, oh, I really want to do that. No, no, I'm scared to do that. Like to get them like, oh, we actually do have these different motivations, drives, needs, you know, showing up inside of us, that conflict within us as a way to something in me wants to do it and something else in me doesn't. I also think, you know, that aspect of bringing in the emotional part of of this. I mean, I, cause I think a lot of times people think of the brain as just these two thinking, you know, the creative side and right. the linear side. But when you bring those emotional components into it, it makes a whole lot of difference, I think, in terms of the complexity of it. Cause I think sometimes people have been critical of, oh no, right, left thinking, that's not quite the way it is or whatever. But when you bring in the whole complete picture, it seems right. That, that makes a lot more sense to me, you know, um, how it all connects together. Even though they're separate, they are connected. So, you know, yes. yeah. And just yeah. for our listeners' sake, oh, go ahead. Do you want to say something, Dr. Jill? I cut you off. I was just going to say that, you know, if we perceive ourselves as having just one emotional system, then our emotions don't make any sense to us. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have conflicting emotions, right? I'm not happy. I hate you. I love you. I hate you. I love you. Are you paying attention to me? I love you. Are you seeing someone else? I hate you. I mean, how does that make any sense? Well, it makes sense when you actually realize I have an emotional system that is related to me, the individual, about my past and about my future. That part of me has linearity across time. But I also have an emotional system that is experiential about the present moment experience. So just in being able to say, oh, I have a this and a that in my emotions, 
And I have a this and a that in my thinking. And the right hemisphere is about the present moment only. It has no past and no future and no me, the individual. But the left hemisphere has a past and a future around me, the individual. It's like, oh, all of a sudden my brain processing is starting to make sense. But because it's so intricately integrated, we don't differentiate. And so all I'm bringing to the conversation is, well, let's differentiate which parts of the brain result in what skill sets. And then they kind of come out as a package of skills. And, oh, you know, that happens to be a pretty distinctive personality. (laughs) And then I can get to know not just the anatomy, but these four characters. And it's like, all of a sudden, my life makes a whole lot more sense than it did before I could differentiate. It's true. You're like, who is driving the bus today? Wow. Exactly. <laughs> who said that? You know, oh my God, who said that? No, I think I better say this. This is more appropriate. You right. know, I mean, all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm really clear on who said that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also really clear I shouldn't let it come out of my mouth, you know? So well, how about in, okay. But instead of just being on automatic, it's like, okay, yeah, that was my left thinking part of my brain feels this thinks this way about it and my right thinking brain thinks differently about it and it's okay and then it's like okay you mean I actually as a living being get to choose which way (laughs) I want to react or respond to the world all of a sudden I have power over my life that I didn't have before yeah yeah, cultivating that ability to observe and witness those different care what you have called characters. And just because I'm in my character one right now, how about <laughs> we name them for our listeners that haven't yet read your whole brain living book, which I encourage you to get. So why don't we go through the four? Because that that's very grounding for me. And we can start talking about that. Perfect. Okay. I have a little brain model, so I'm going to work from that. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) So um, uh, reptiles have the sophistication of our brainstem. And the brainstem is going to be things like, I'm hungry, I eat, I'm satisfied, I stop eating. I'm thirsty, I drink, my brain tells me I'm done drinking, so I stop that. So it's pretty much on-off switches. Then on top of that, the difference between a reptile and a mammal is the addition of the emotional limbic tissue. So we have an amygdala in each hemisphere, a hippocampus in each hemisphere, and an anterior and cingulate gyrus in each hemisphere. And these are our emotions. And emotion is, is, is placing an affect or feeling on information as it comes in. So then the difference between a typical mammal and a human is the addition of this outer thinking tissue we call the neo or new cortex. So it's the neocortex that is where our rational thinking brain is, our ability to have language or um, uh, executive functions that allow us to have forethought in, in whatever we're, we're processing. So um, so as we look then at, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that brain, I'm going to divide it like this so that I have my left hemisphere and my right hemisphere, and I'm going to name these characters left thinking will be character one. 
And the left thinking part of our brain is our rational thinking analysis. So this is our ability to create order in the external world. It knows one plus one equals two. Oh, that makes sense. Well, to the rest of the brain, that's an abstract idea that it can't even begin to understand. But the left brain learns that. So the left brain likes to create order. It's our per, it's our A-type personality. It likes to do lists. It, it's highly efficient. It likes to categorize. It creates order out of disorder. It, ca it cares about how we look. It put my glasses on my face. It put my earrings in my ears. And it, con it likes to conquer people, places, and things, including time. So it's, it likes to be punctual. And it actually got us here to, on time to, together. Right. So character one is the part of us that generally likes to go to work. And I call mine, I give mine a name. Mine's Helen. It's short for hell on wheels. She gets it done. And so, <laughs> so I know this part of myself. I lost this part of myself when I experienced that stroke. And so I had to actually rebuild that circuitry in order to regain those skills. And then eventually, once it became well enough, the, the package personality of Helen came out and said, oh, great, I'm back. I'm ready to take over again. And the rest of my brain's going, we don't think so. <laughs> really good. We're really glad you recovered, but no, we're more of a democracy now. We don't want you to just go back and do all the things that you, you do. So do you ladies, do you recognize your character ones? Oh my gosh. I have such a strong character one. Uh, it's called, I, I, it's the driver and sometimes will be the Colonel. I was raised with an army Colonel dad, you know, and I, it, I even, I do my hands like this, like we got to go. We got to make things happen. What's happening before we even got on with you? <laughs> well, I don't even start, you know? A lot yeah. of people say, I call it start. Oh, no, you got the kernel. <laughs> exactly. And I'm going to, like, go through a brick wall to make things happen. when it. And you also have a delineation. Can you share about the soft and the hard of that character? Yeah, I'll get there when I get to character two. Okay, got it. Because that one, that one is the byproduct or reactive oh. response to character two. Yes. And I think, I guess, I think I've been driven by character two and character one has been a lot of, yes. you know, through my life, really uh, in charge and making things. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. You know, when I read the book, character one, I, I know I have a character one. Uh, there's no question. But I think, uh, you know, a lot of times when I was a kid, I was dyslexic. I was told I wasn't smart enough. There was a lot. Of, so I didn't necessarily, uh, I don't, I have a weird relationship to my character one. Like it does not, it has not driven me. I feel more comfortable now recognizing that I have, oh, I, this part has been pretty brilliant in different ways, but it wasn't like a um, putting order, but it wasn't the same order everyone else had. So I sort of doubted its order somehow, like how my brain put things together. Now I've kind of started to appreciate it. But I don't know. So that's why I didn't recognize it at first. It was like, wow, okay. Doesn't sound like what's in the book. Necessary. I love that. You know. Look who your friends are. You hang out with horses. <laughs> that's true. I think, I, yeah. I think yeah. they speak your language. Exactly. Right. You know? right? So, that's right. true. Yeah, yeah, that's I, where you that's where you resonate. So so you're gonna be more of the the in the present possibilities, what is is, and then we've got this kernel over here <laughs> saying, Okay, I'll do the scheduling, I'll do the this, I'll do that. We gotta get this done. That's right. <laughs> 
So, so but, but see, that's actually a, a really beautiful example because so many, so many people in our society are character one strong. They're driven. They're organized. They boom. They oh, yeah, yeah, got to get it done. And it's like, and then there's the right hemisphere dominant people who are just going, boy, I'm really glad you're around to take care of those details because <laughs> I'm more than happy to let you do it. I want to go hang out with the horses. Right? <laughs> And it's like, so you too, I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at a whole brain here. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty sad. Between the two of us, we've got a whole brain. (laughs) You know, I love that. And so many, when I give presentations, I have so many married couples say to me, you know, between the two of us, we're a whole brain. And it's like, I get that, but that's really not the way it's supposed to be. You need your own brain. brain. (laughs) Because, you know, opposites attract. Until they don't. Right. <laughs> right. Until all those sweet little differences are like, what now drive us crazy? So, um, yeah. So I love that. So, so that's the character one, the strong, let's get it done. Let's organize. We're busy. We got a to-do list. Uh, let's go hang out. Uh, character two is going to be the emotion of that left hemisphere. So when you think about the left hemisphere, the left hemisphere in there in characters one and two is me, the individual. I, Joe Bolte-Taylor, I exist in my left hemisphere and I exist there because my left hemisphere cells constantly remind me what my name is, where I live, what my phone number is, all the details of my life, what colors I like to wear, where I like to live, who my friends are. Without the left hemisphere telling me all that data, I don't know all that data because all my friends friends right here I'm now with you you're my new friends but where are my friends if my brain isn't reminding me from my past who my friends are then they're not right here I don't know who they are so so the left hemisphere is about me the individual me and mine and my likes my dislikes all the details and it gives me a past and it gives me a future so emotionally all my pain all my pride all my joy all my laughter all my what trauma all my addiction is located inside of this character two uh, left emotional tissue of my brain and if you have a lesion if you wipe out this tissue in here on this insular cortex that wipes out craving and if we wipe out craving we wipe out addiction because you have to have a craving in order to have an addiction beat pull you back in to repeating that behavior so the cells are very specific in their function so now the wonder of this little character too even though this is all my pain from the past I learn from the pain from my past. I learn my healthy boundaries in the present and what I want more of in my life and what I want less of in my life because of my past experience. So the beauty of this group of cells in the left hemisphere is they take, you know, the past doesn't exist. It's not real. The future, it doesn't exist. It's not real either. All that exists is the present moment. But these amazing cells step out of the present moment they take information from the present moment and they say i'm going to step out of the blissful euphoria of the present moment and i'm going to look backward and say have i ever seen that before and was it bad and is there any reason why i need to push away because it wasn't good for me so character two is always looking it's part of our fight flight flee fight fight 
flee, freeze, circuitry, <laughs> part of the autonomic nervous system that says, give me a reason to say that's a threat, that's dangerous, push it away. And so, so it's really, it is, um, it defines threat and it is designed to save our lives based on our past experience. Now, what that means is that if I see a dog today and that do a dog just like that 50 years ago bit me, then still in the present 50 years later, every time I see that dog, it's like, no, I don't like that dog. I don't want that in my life. Now, a dog like that, that's a bad dog. Even though 50 years later, it's a different dog and this dog is fine. So I need to be willing to go back and explore the trauma from my past, gain the wisdom, learn from from that set up new healthy boundaries and then move forward and not call it trauma, but call it a learning lesson that now I can get on in my present life. And as I think about the theme of what you gals care about is you care about that level of resilience. And part of that level of resilience, looking at a conflict, well, the conflict is I had a bad experience with that. And so now I want to have a different outcome well, I need to be able to examine that, explore that, and look at that in a positive way. What can I gain from that? And then move on in the present and in the future with a different filtered perspective of what had happened. That is that is great. And it's harder said than done, though, Dr. Jill. I mean, <laughs> yeah. sometimes very I think... powerful. Yeah. Character two is so powerful. They all are. You know the colonel. Here you are. Gotta get to work. <laughs> Gotta get to work. Gotta do. Right? Gotta get it. That is powerful, right? But character two, when character two says no, push it away. I don't like that. I don't want that. I don't like you. You're bad. You're mean. I'm going to blame you because now I'm unhappy and you did this and that and the other. And so I'm going to push you away. I'm going to get loud and ugly, or I'm going to literally freeze and play dead or, and ignore you and go numb, which will absolutely drive the other person insane. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. Or uh, because now, now we've got you, me and my two and them and their two, and we're tit for tat. And then there's never a resolution when two characters, Character twos get together. Yeah. So it is. Character two is so powerful, but they all are. Mm -hmm. We just really know our character two because we grow up in a left brain dominant society. And that's how we relate to ourselves, our history, and one another. Wow. It's been very well trained. Yeah. And I, I guess I think all my therapy work and personal development for the last 30 years has been trying to develop some sort of better relationship or not have to automatically drive me like this is the truth and be like well, wait a minute what well, you know I think about that you know I mean I don't want to take us off the path we're on to learn about all these different brains but I do think about the whole idea that you know trauma is is really what it is is a as a point of separation and so that literally the moment that that comes into play, you are probably going to the left side hemisphere no matter what, like whether it's in two or, or because you've lost the connection to the larger. Well, you're no longer in the present moment. Right. right. So, you, you know, I can I can think of a million traumas from my life that I could perceive as trauma to my little character too. But trauma is in the past. It's yeah. not right here, right now. Right. And even if even if something is happening in the present moment, I, if I have both hemispheres well-developed, I can choose, boy, this could really be looked at as a trauma or 
one of the most beautiful experiences of my life because of my opportunity to witness and grow from this amazing experience. And um, yeah, yeah, but that character too, by definition, is somewhere else, some other time. It doesn't exist, except in a group of cells in my brain that I can revisit, I can rerun in the present moment, but trauma is from some t- some other time. Now, that doesn't mean that, that that uh, like right now, I'm I'm on a boat, the winds are blowing, a tornado could pick this boat up and heave it. Well, I'm having an experience to my right hemisphere, but my left hemisphere is going to move into all the drama and trauma of, oh my God, that was horrible. It was bad. But again, was, was, was. Our power as human beings is in the present moment. It's not in the past and it's not in the future. Right. I really like when you're saying, you know, don't stay stuck in the word, even using the word, I could say it's a trauma, but it's in the past. This is a learning opportunity right now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and because of, of bad experiences in the past, because of threats from the past that we revisit and we explore in the safety of the present moment, right? To be able to go back and explore and to go into therapy and weed out those little kernels of wisdom, that's how we grow. We have to have that character too. stay, say, this is what was. And right now I'm thinking this wasn't a good thing. And, but I can go back, right? 30, 40, 50, 80 years later, and I can re-explore that and say, but there's a morsel of lesson in there for me to grow. And as a living being, I want to be able to grow. And I have to have that character to perspective to compare the present to in order to be able to have a this and a that to talk about in order to explore, in order to grow from. Right. That makes sense. So you have to have, it's, it's what we're recovering from. So it's a touch point and how yes. far come and what we want to do differently. Exactly. Yeah. So now I want to go back to your other question about the different kinds of character one. Oh, right. So if I'm a character two, so so the way that evolution happened was that we had the reptiles and then we had the mammals and the mammals is that emotional tissue in both hemispheres, uh, fight flight on both sides. And little character two is that fight flight on the left side. And then character one tissue gets added on to that. And, and it is specifically designed to refine and reflect upon the tissue below, which is the character two. Mm -hmm. So character one and two now have a very intimate relationship with one another because character one comes in and it's thinking tissue. It's not emotional tissue. So it's going to refine how we look at and how we structure and organize what we are as that little two character two uh, character. If character two, let's say character two is the monsters from our past, right? It's our trauma. It's the things we're afraid of. It's the threats. It's like, it's, it's dad's a colonel and he's go, 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 right? And you got to do more and you got to be this and you got to be a big achiever and blah, blah, blah. So that becomes a monster inside of your character two, because your character two is now saying, I have to achieve. I'm here to achieve. And daddy's big thinking. He's the, he's, you know, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. So that that's like the monster of character two pushing the action of the character one. And so that character one comes in and it doesn't say I'm the Sarge. It comes in and it says, I'm the Colonel and I've got to go and I got to go and I got to go. It's And then it's like, and then I achieve and it's like, 
Okay, well, let's say, okay, well, I achieved, but there's no real reward there because it's still driving for more, more, more. Right. And then there's achievement. It's like, well, I'll celebrate for dinner. And then tomorrow I got to go more, more, more. So I call that the hard one. The hard one is the character one that is driven by the monsters of the character two of I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I have to achieve more, achieve more, have even higher level, higher level, but I never I never get any satisfaction because there's always another category of, well, that's great, but it's not enough. I have to keep going. But then there's the soft one. And the soft one is the one that says, well, I'm here, I'm organizing, I'm structuring, I'm good at doing this, and I can actually have a healthy relationship with my character too. I'm not driven by the monsters of my character too. I can rationalize and organize and look at and discipline and create a healthy relationship between those two parts of my own left hemisphere. And so that character one ends up being a completely different kind of leader than the monster, the ones running from the monster. The hard one leader, the hard one leader is looking at the team. It's my team. You're my people. I don't care who you are, right? You're just my people. And I'm going to drive you, drive you, drive you with a whip from behind, right? I'm a cow, I'm a cow plotter and prodder. And that's very different than the soft one who says, Oh, look at my lovely people. Who are you? What are your names? How do you like? <laughs> Tell me about your family, right? What are you good at? And then they get that character one will say, oh, well, this person's really good at that. And this person's really good at this. And so we're going to build this team and we're all going to do what we're really good at. And it's like, we have a win when we win or we have a failure when we have a failure, but I'm a part of every decision. You're a part of every decision. And it's a completely different way of leading. Yeah, yeah, that we, makes sense. We work yeah. in the corporate world and so and we do teamwork and we're often coaching leaders from the hard one spot to the soft one. And that's exactly. a it's a definitely shift in energy and bringing people along. It feels better um until it gets stressed out and then they go back to the hard one. That is exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I guess so it feels it feels better to the team, but the team is always on edge because they know that hard one. Yeah. Like, and the hard one is on edge because it's like Oh man, this 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 warm and fuzzy stuff, it just drives me insane. And so, you know, after I I tried to do my soft, you know, one leadership, now I gotta go to the Y because I gotta beat that out of my muscles and out of my brain and out of my body. You know, it's like so um, so there might be, I don't think the ultimate goal would be to make a hard one a soft one. I think it would be to get the hard one to become more whole-brained. Right. So that they actually have a genuine value, increased value for the different team members, right. and they will build their team better. Yeah. And it will run more naturally. So instead of actually having, they can still stay a hard one, but they build a different kind of relationship with the team. They actually look at the team a little bit differently and they have to develop their own character for because the yeah, character so for is the visionary and yeah. the really wonderful corporate leaders, they're the visionaries. They're the character for. Yeah. Well, let's, can we go oh. on to three and four? Did you have another question? Yeah. I was going to branch off a little bit. So let's go on to three well, and let's four. Let's build out the model. So we've got the three and four. Okay. We, I think okay. a lot of so people then, can relate. So then we look at the right hemisphere. So the right hemisphere, it's all about right here, right now in the present moment. 
I, I, me, the individual, I exist in my left hemisphere. That's what those cells do. They create an ego. They give me a past. They give me a future linearity across time. They give me the boundaries. There's a holographic image of where I begin and where I end in that left hemisphere. So I think this is where I begin and end. But to my right hemisphere, it knows I'm energy, I'm a life force, and I'm as big as the universe, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not about me, the individual, I'm just in the present moment, big as the universe. So this is a completely different level of, of consciousnesses. So the emotion of, of the emotional tissue, limbic tissue, again, fight or flight, but in the present moment. And in the present moment, it's like exciting to be in the present moment. Mm -hmm. And when you really perceive things if you could see what i could see it's like oh my god the energy in the space is just going crazy because i got this storm of brewing i got white caps going the trees they're all blowing the boat's rocking and i'm thinking whoa you know we we it's experiential <laughs> now the left hemisphere my little character too might be going oh my god this is terrible oh my god it's me against the nature oh my god i'm gonna lose oh my god those trees could fall on me oh my god i could sink i'm gonna fall for god Today. What are you doing on a podcast? It's like, <laughs> we need to be right, right that we need to protect ourselves. And character three is going, whee, wow, you know, what will be, will be. And, and if we get whacked by a tree, uh, you know, uh, and we sink, I'll grab the dog and we'll be fine, right? Um, so, whatever, because in the moment is where our power is. All of our power is truly in the present moment. Because in the present moment, I can show up a thousand percent with all parts of me in order to do what I need to do. It, but you know as soon as it's in, in the past oh my god the tornado blew through and my boat crashed against the shore now all of a sudden it's a horrible thing from the past it's my trauma because it's my little character too or my character three's going wow i got a story to tell right we let's talk about this so character three is right here in the present moment. It is experiential. What does it feel like to have glasses on my face? What does it feel like the humidity? How much humidity is there in the air? What does it feel like when I jump into the water and I feel the pressure of the water against my body and I feel the temperature change between the humidity and heat of the air and the coolness of the water and it's right hemisphere. It's not about me, the individual. It's about us as a collective. It's like, come on, girls, let's go swim, right? Let's go play. <laughs> It's right, let's go just let's go explore in the woods let's go let's us go it's it's very communal in in how it is because it's collective it's collective whole it doesn't distinguish between the differences and because it's in the collective whole it's not in the box of the left brain that says okay we're gonna color trees well the leaves need to be green and it's like to the right brain it's like we i can make trees any color i want i can i can do anything i want it's creative it's possible what's possible it's out of the box it's innovative it's excited it's uh it's an impetus towards something new it's it's uh it, it's this is what it is and yes, that's the energy you know, with what you're doing it's the energy that goes with that and it's like well let's go jam with some friends and do some music or or let's do art or let's go be let's go uh, run a race let's go be physical let's be in the present and enjoy uh, uh the world so so i call mine pig pen because chaos is the first step in the creative process and pig pen you know from the peanuts uh, uh charles schultz collection he He's just walking around happy in a dust of storm, right? He's always yeah. just right here, ready to go do anything. <laughs> that is great. I love it. And I can certainly, uh, in my own experience, when I'm 
I'm like, oh, I want to play. Or I even put on, I put on funky clothes that are just like, it feels like a little kid dressed me. And, and that's like, come on, let's adventure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because it is the little kid. It's the emotion of the present moment. So it's still a fight flight. It's, it's right here, right now. And these are the two little characters inside of ourselves, inside of that limbic system. It's mm-hmm. the, the pain from the past and the projection into the future. And they give me a reason to say no, to protect myself, That's or let cute. me look at it so I can grow. Well, the right hemisphere doesn't care about any of that. It's just going to have an experience. Yeah. Yes. Wow. That is so, I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah look at look at <laughs> I'm like, but we have to get things done. <laughs> That's what it's comes like up. A, yeah. Even, even in prepping for this, like Chris like, okay, we need to figure out what we're going to ask, how we're going to talk. I'm like, let's just show up. I want to connect to her. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. And I, I really get the impetus towards something. And it's when you say it's fight, flight, or freeze material, does that mean it's always activated as fight, flight, or freeze? Or um, it just is well, that? No, no, not okay. if I'm not. I mean, I can be in my rational thinking and I'm just running my to do list. Right. Okay. So I'm yeah. not triggered, but we get triggered in the present moment. Like if I see a swim, a snake swim by and it's on top of the water, that's going to trigger me in the present because I know that that's venomous. Right. And I care if it's venomous. I don't care if he's swimming under the water like this, because that means he's not venomous. I don't care. But if there's an immediate threat for me or my dog or my friends or whoever, my, whoever happened to be here, that I would care about. Right. So that would be my fight flight. I would feel anxiety. I feel impetus toward doing something. I'd want to know where that snake goes. Is he under my boat? Is he related to me? Or is he leaving here? And then I'd feel better. Right. And that's very right. different than, oh, my God, when I was a little girl, a snake scared me and snakes, snakes, doesn't matter what kind of snake. It's just I move into such anxiety and panic that I can't even look at it to see if it is venomous. Right. Because right. 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 I'm all like- caught up in the past. Right. I mean, I think of that like with horses, you know, they like most of the horses I work are all live in herds. So first off, they're all very connected to each other, which I think is that. But also, you know, when something happens, you know, they're eating, they're chomping and they hear something and you can see they're very uh, like, okay, now, but as soon as it's gone, as soon as it's clear that, oh, then they just go right right back back to eating. Nobody cares, right? But if they had a left hemisphere, they'd be making up a big old horrible story (laughs) that they had to share with somebody. (laughs) And I think that's one of the things that has happened sometimes with horses that have behavioral issues. Now, because I I don't know how this fits into their brain, but they can get stuck. But as soon as they get back out with horses, they go back to their feral state, their most natural state. And Uh And all of that... They just, that just goes almost immediately. But you can watch a horse that does something that's very behavioralistically like a character too would do in terms of attacking or bucking or doing. Pushing away. Pushing away. You kind of wonder, you know, um, it's interesting. Um, But they don't, you know, they don't do stories. So it's got, you know, somehow though, they've learned in their maybe, you know, something about, okay, this happened before. Well, they're not stupid. They're not, yeah. stupid. they're not stupid. They have an intelligence. Right. <laughs> and they, they, they learn, they can learn and yeah. they can learn that a smell, I need to attend a yeah. sound. I need to attend yes. a movement. I need to attend. 
and if that movement happens to be like a person who like hurt me, then my relationship with that is going to be in this present moment, I'm not safe because I have learned. So horses are capable of learning and they do have um, two hemispheres, you know, two emotional systems. Got to remember, they do have two emotional systems. Right. They're a mammal. At the same time, they have two bits of cortex. They just don't have this big, massive, beautiful thing that we have that um, uh, really, you know, complicates our life. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> hey, well, let's let's bring talk about character four just to get the whole model in there. Character four is the thinking tissue, the neocortex of the right here, right now experience. So right here, right now. I'm, I'm not defined as the boundaries of where I begin because that's right over here. It's not about me, the individual, because that's in here. I don't have any past and future because that's all about here. So what am I? I am in the experience of atoms and molecules. I am atoms and molecules that have taken the shape of 50 trillion amazing molecular geniuses. And whether I'm a single microbe or I am 50 trillion cells packed together, I am separate from the that from the external by this semi-permeable membrane that has receptors around it so that I can be stimulated by another and I can have an influence on the other. So it doesn't matter if I'm a single microbe or if I'm 50 trillion microbes packed together and differentiated like a human. To me, the meaning of life is simple. It's to stimulate and be stimulated by. And we are just very complex in how we process information. And we are very complex in how we can use our mind to, in, in, to take this collection of dense organic mass, focus the energy and use a mind and thought and heart experience to influence the energy around us. So that is the consciousness of character four. It is, and and what does it feel like to me, a human? It feels like awe that I exist at all. Wow. Mm, yeah. And I would say this is, tell me where I'm wrong, but this is our connection to any sort of higher power or source energy. And and we're it's in us and and we also it's chunk right it down. There. We are connected to it and we have the capacity, every ability we have, we have because we have cells that perform that function. So my ability to feel sense of gratitude is going to be those cells. My ability to feel awe or my ability to pray and silence my left hemisphere opens up the circuitry of my right hemisphere so I can have feel what I would describe as a divine connection. Well, I have to have cells that allow me to do that. And that portal is that character four. So character four really exists. There's no impetus forward. It's just sitting in awe, in gratitude that, oh, my God, I'm alive. And then, boom, if I'm gone, it was like, I'm good with that, too. Right. It doesn't matter because I existed. And so what that I existed now? I'm this now I'm no longer confined by by these 50 trillion cells and that character one, character two, character three that creates all this order and impetus toward in this crazy world that we live in. And it's good one way or the other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's, I guess that's why you can't feel fear and gratitude at the same time. You're you're accessing different circuitry. Gratitude Completely is completely different circuitry. Yeah, that's interesting because I've heard yeah. that. That makes sense. And I always tell people, I don't mind if you're miserable as long <laughs> as you remember to enjoy it. 
Yeah. <laughs> right? Because if you remember to enjoy the fact that you have cells that allow you to be miserable, oh my gosh, then all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm alive. I have cells that allow me the privilege of feeling miserable. How cool is that, right? I have the ability to be angry or sad or glad. I can laugh. I can have a belly laugh. Everything is dependent on those specific cells in the brain that allow me to have that performance. So again, I don't I don't mind if you're miserable as long as you remember to enjoy it. I love it. I love it. Now, these four characters, you also talk about how to work with them in your brain huddle and yes. uh, developing awareness of them and then pulling them together. Can you tell, I, I know we're probably going to run out of time today, but oh. t- give us a little preview of your brain huddle. Absolutely. So the brain huddle is B-R-A-I-N. It's an acronym. Of course it is, right? Brain. (laughs) So any of the four characters can call a brain huddle. And this only works once you have really gotten to know your four characters, because you're going to call them now all into a committee meeting. Right. They all have to show up. Well, they can't show up if you don't know who they are. So you need to get to know, work with, identify, figure out what it feels like in your body. Get to know each of these four characters. Love each of these four characters. They're all tremendous gifts. And then any of them in any moment can call a brain huddle. And I encourage people who are new to this material to do it 20 times a day because brain cells are simply brain cells running in circuits. And one of the beautiful things about running cells in circuit is the more often you run a circuit, the more it begins to run on automatic and become habitual thinking. So you want to be able to habitualize your ability to call call a brain huddle. So what is the brain huddle? B, breath. Bring your mind to the present moment. And then R is recognize which of the four characters called the brain huddle. Who called the huddle? Any (laughs) of them might call the huddle, right? Who called the huddle? A stands for appreciate regardless of who called the huddle. There's four of us in here, which means all four of us are now here and available in the present moment in our breath. And I stands for inquire. Okay, we're all four here. Let's inquire. In this next moment, who do I want to give the microphone to so that I have an action based on their decision? And then N stands for navigate your life moment by moment by moment. So in this moment, it is appropriate. I can call a huddle. Everybody here? Everybody here? <laughs> Helen, Helen, call an huddle. It's like, okay, little character two's going, yeah, I'm good. I'm all right. Character, you know, I'm not acting up. I'm not feeling reactive. I'm not, I don't need any attention. Character three's <laughs> going yeah i'm always here i'm always good i'm ready to go character four is going i just love us all you know and, <laughs> and, then, and then they're getting together and it's like okay recognize who called the huddle Car- helen character one recognize she called it but appreciate all four of us are here and available now inquire what's appropriate well in this next moment it's appropriate for helen to be here character one but boy as soon as we're off clothes are coming off and three's going in the lake you know, so it's like my reward, my character three reward for being here with you ladies is I get to like go in the lake, right? So, so, but it's this constant negotiation. And when you when you master this level of tool, then you have the power to choose moment by moment who and how you want to be in every circumstance or situation in your life. And that is true power. And even though character one tends to just want to be the boss and be the colonel and run, run, run and ignore the others, true power, your true power is in that willingness to say, 
but I also want my ingenuity. I want my creativity. I want my innovativeness. I want my adaptability. I want to be flexible because I want to be able to look at conflict and I want to be able to say, this conflict, I can examine both sides and say, this is what I can do with that now. Mm -hmm. So it allows me to look at whatever happens, whatever comes up in my life in the moment, compare it with my past, examine it rationally, organize it, and come in with my ingenuity and my ingenious and my creativity. And God's just going, conflict. How beautiful is that? <laughs> she is. Yes. <laughs> she is. Is it she? saying that. Yes. <laughs> Love it. Oh my gosh. You know what? We didn't even get to half of our questions, but you are delightful to talk to. Yes. I hope we get a part two because now we want to talk about your work that you're doing and also how to apply it to the work that we're doing. Because, um, uh, I mean, can I Sure, sure. I know, have a little, but I'm so curious because I know you're working with people, you mentioned working with people with cancer and, you know, well back in my life, I went through four different cancers and various things. And I have my own version of thinking about how, what happened that allowed me to kind of, uh, and some of what you're talking about fits totally into that, but I'm curious how you're working with it now. So hopefully maybe we can have an, maybe we can have you on this again. Is, this is to tee up, like to, to get your character <laughs> no. three to say yes. Absolutely. No, I'm more than happy. I like you guys. So, <laughs> so what I'm doing is, you know, I picture myself as this big neuron in the neuronal network of humanity. And you two are each these big, beautiful neurons and we all have our own networks, right? right. And so I, I tell people I'm an inch wide called whole brain living and a mile deep. Mm -hmm. So everything about my life has to do with either jumping in the lake and playing or whole brain living. It's all I say yes to, right? My life in the present, or if I'm going to work, if Helen's going to come on, it's whole brain living. And that way I just stay very focused and I'm not distracted by all kinds of stuff that isn't whole brain living because I truly believe in whole brain living. So let's say you then, let's say you deal with corporate corporate folks and you say to me, Jill, I'd really like to learn more about whole brain living and how we might be able to apply whole brain living to my population. And I say to you, okay, well, right now we're running whole brain living in a school system to, to get it as evidence-based that to show that whole brain living is an effective tool. And at the same time, we're building a certification program, which will be 12 weeks long, 90 minutes each week to dive deeply into whole brain living, because you can't teach whole brain living really or integrate it with other people until you've mastered it yourself. Right. So the certification program then will explore all these different ways in which whole brain living is being used. Um, There's a group who does yoga in prisons. They're now doing whole brain living in yoga in prisons. Uh, We're doing whole brain living in yoga in uh, 12-step programming. How fantastic is that? Uh, Somebody else is doing cancer with children. How, how fantastic is that? Someone else is looking at cancer and radiation treatment and how radiation centers can be more whole brain living supportive of themselves as what, well, because they can be a very scary place. 
as and then the impact that that can have on their patients who they're impacting. We're dealing with fire, fire um, crisis intervention. We're dealing with uh, police and training them in compassion. I mean, anybody who's doing anything, which is the whole world of humanity, is now coming to me and saying, Help me figure out how I can take the model of whole brain living, which is the human brain, that's all it is, and and the whole brain and bring it into my network in order to help my people. Um, And that's what I'm doing. Excellent. That's that's so cool. I love it. I mean, I think that is, you know, you talked earlier about resilience and so much of what, I mean, we believe about resilience is it really is something that if we don't do it together, we don't do it. Resilience does require a collective. The we. The we. And we we are so not well versed. We've been so opposite of that for, you know, we just, we haven't appreciated that incredible um, yeah, we're not balanced. We're not whole brain. Right. Yes, so I know. Yeah. We are. Our society has skewed itself to the left and that's OK. But what it has done is it has made us completely polarized. Yeah. So because the value structure of the right hemisphere is about the collective whole. I right. care about people. I care about about people who are not my family. I care yeah. about because they are my family. They're my human family. And I care about our human family as it relates to this beautiful planet, because yes. if you don't have a planet who even cares about mental health the mental health <laughs> right mental health is about brain health and brain health is about finding balance inside of ourselves as individuals and then as a collective whole so i'm enthusiastic about whole brain living and because everybody has a brain it's interesting how a lot of very left brain people i mean face it um getting into the right brain is a multi-billion dollar you know <laughs> business right people the the world of, of yoga, the world of meditation, the world of, of people like you who are going into corporations and saying they're desperate to how do I how do I do this differently? And what they're really asking is how do I become more whole brain so that I can find peace in my life? And then I can work with these other people who drive me insane. I actually know how to hold the space for them so that I can help love them into their compassion so that they find peace. And then we can work together and really create an amazing team. So to me, that's humanity. That's what I'm trying to accomplish. Oh, I love it. We we are definitely about bringing all of you, how we have said it is bring all of you to everything you do. And that is really the whole brain. So we love it. So Dr. Jill, how can our listeners find you besides your book? You know, do you want to give them any sort of websites that... Sure. DrJillTaylor.com, D-R-J-I-L-L-T-A-Y-L-O-R.com. And uh, the book is Whole Brain Living, The Anatomy of Choice and the Four Characters That Drive Our Life. You can get that on Amazon. It's the best place to get it. You can probably get it at Hay House. They published it. Um, My first book, if you're interested in the experience of stroke that wiped out my left hemisphere, uh, what I gained in my right hemisphere, how I recovered that left hemisphere, the decisions I made for character one to not become the boss again, (laughs) that's all in uh, the first. That's all in the first book, My Stroke of Insight, A Brain Scientist's Personal Journey. So, you know, I am easy to find on the internet. I'm very user-friendly. If any of your listeners want more information about me or even about the certification program, Dr. Jill at drjilltaylor.com. I'm very user-friendly. Great. (laughs) Yes, you were. We found you, our little own selves. So I love it. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Jill. (laughs) 
I think the next time we should be in Glacial Park, I should like come out and visit. There you go. All right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Susan here. As a coach, a lot of my time is spent helping clients speak up in a direct and honest way in their relationships at home and at work. Chris Marie and I decided to create a speak up kit to help you do that for yourself. It's the best of our best work that we've gathered to help you. To learn more, go to thriveinc.com forward slash speak up. That's www.thriveinc.com forward slash S-P-E-A-K-U-P.